verse 18. Notes are online or at the app, MPI or Metro Praise International. You can find it at Google or Apple. Look at it with me. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did the disciples. So Jesus is just doing his normal business. Here comes a man. He's a leader of a synagogue. He goes, Man, my daughter just died. I need your help. Come, come resurrect her. In other words, Jesus said, Let's go. Now, look what happened. Something interesting on his way there. Verse 20. Just just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if only I can touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. She was healed. So, so just real simple. Let's go through it. We have a story of Jesus going to go uh, heal or resurrect a dead daughter of this synagogue leader. A woman reaches in, touches Jesus, gets healed from bleeding. Here's what I want to talk to you about where it gets a little bit personal. Right now, most churches want to keep you bleeding. I want to make you leading. Most churches want to talk to you every single week about your issues and put you right into that story and go, you're a woman with an issue of blood. Or they may say, not so like that. They may be like, you're struggling today and you may be bleeding like this woman. But here's the thing I want you to understand. God will heal you so that you won't bleed, so that now you can lead. Because I'm tired of a, being a pastor in this city that always is wrestling with other churches and other mindsets that y'all picked up that you didn't pick up here that makes you think bleeding through life is normal. You going through life bleeding like this woman is not normal. Now, you might have had that not be your fault. It might have happened to you. Somebody might have cut you. You might be sick, and you didn't choose to be sick. I get it. But listen, we can't use this example to keep you in a bleeding, busted, and disgusted place. So the week after Easter, I want to ask you all right now, do you want to bleed or you want to lead? Because you know what a lot of pastors want to do? They want to come up to you and they want to be like, oh, I'm going to be real. Can I be real with you? My wife and I fought on the way here. My kids are going crazy and I feel like quitting the ministry. That's how they want to bleed with you and bleed with you. And then they want you to be vulnerable with them and then you share your bleeding. And we all just bleed together. Can I be vulnerable with you? 14 years I haven't gone to bed angry with my wife. Every one of my children are serving the Lord. I have never had an issue brought up against me by my pastor in over 20 years. And I haven't looked at pornography, got drunk, and did all that since the 90s. That's being vulnerable. That's being vulnerable. Can I be vulnerable with you? I keep a clean house. I keep a clean car. I make sure that my life is in order. And that's what I want you to follow my lead, not follow me bleed. If you follow me on Facebook, you'll see I talk about these big name pastors and how they'll come up and talk about their affair or their things going on in their life and try to get you to relate to them because they got just as many issues as you do. They call it brokenness. We're all broken in some way. Can I be vulnerable with you, young man? I'm healed in every way. My mind is healed. My emotions are healed. My marriage is healed. Nancy, would you just come up here right now? If God knows I'm lying, let him do something to show you right now. But I will testify with her right here. Look at the countenance of my wife's face. 14 years, day in and day out, she has seen my life. Can you say amen to this? Is she lying? Are my children lying when I come down every morning and kiss them and say good morning? And every night I kiss them good night and I say, Daddy loves you. Our house is a blessed house. Our home is a blessed home. Have we gone through struggles? Yes, but we don't let the struggle define us. We're not bleeding. We're leading. Let's show them how it's done. Come on, somebody. That's, what it's, that's what's up. I'm tired of leaders bleeding and trying to make you feel comfortable with it. Because here's the deal. If you're here today, you're here today and you're bleeding, can I ask you two to come up, Rodriguez? Let's give it up from Humberto and Kirsten. I'm going to show you what to do. 
Come stand like you do for altar work. Would you do that? They got a blessed marriage. Come right here. If you are bleeding today, if you are busted today, if you are messed up in your mind today, if your marriage is not right today, if you feel like quitting on life today, I want you to come up if you're a guy, grab this man's hand and say, lay it on me in the name of Jesus so I stop bleeding. Let's give it up for him. Thank you. I don't understand why we use this story to keep making excuses to bleed everywhere in life. I thought we were supposed to look at these stories of Jesus and go, I can be healed and now I can be like Jesus and help stop the bleeding in people's lives. Not keep encouraging bleeding. Would you refresh this page for me, please? Because I got all sassy in first service, and now I got to show you the diagram that I made from first service so you can see it. And I put it on my Facebook, Maria, so everybody in the whole world can see it. So when you refresh it, go down. Have you refreshed it? Because the net should be there. No, you got to refresh the page, my brother, because I've got a little, little extra treat. Look at your neighbor and say, we get a treat today. Second service treat. People look at me as a pastor, and they say, you, you can't have it like that. No, man, the devil's a liar. See, I went to church where we looked up to pastors. I went to church where I brought my Bible, and I expected to take notes. I went to churches where I expected to learn something about life because it was working for them. Let me just give you something to think about right now, not only for this church, but in every church and everything you want to do in life, whether it's finances or business. Just go and scroll down there and see if it's there. There it is. Click on that. Thank you. You ever seen these cell phone plans where they tell you, you know, AT&T compared to T-Mobile and they got the little X's cable thing? We're going to compare it in just a minute. But everybody just check this out. I want you to hear my heart here. My, my thing is not to be braggadocious or to be prideful. God strikes down the proud. But I, I want to be very honest with you. When I talk to pastors and I, and, and I talk to them now, they don't have the same kind of integrity and the same kind of life that I grew up having in my life. See, I used to look up to pastors. I used to look at them and say, man, I want to be like you. And I know at some point everybody thought the pastor had no sin or no mistakes. See, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I'm sinless, but I sin less. But I'm not leading into you with my bleeding, going, well, nobody's marriage is perfect, so give me a break. No, no. See, that got abused over time. Well, everybody wanted to be real, and being real just meant ratchet. Everybody just wanted to be real and ratchety. And I'm done with real and ratchety. I'm ready for young men to come to church in suits again. Let's give it up for this brother right here, Calvin. I'm ready for young brothers to say, I want to put this on another level. Come on. So anyways, you know, I'm thinking to myself as a pastor, what in the world is going on? And I was listening to a pastor from the Assemblies of God. You can look it up right now. His name is Samuel Chad. He did it in the Minnesota district. My friend Sarah Allen shared the video. I watched it. And the entire time, all he talked about is that pastors were going to be leading and bleeding, leading and bleeding, leading and bleeding. And he talked about all of his brokenness and all of these things. And then at one point, he said this. He said, man, now that I'm not pastoring, I wish I could have done this as a pastor. He said, this is my fantasy. He said, I wish two times out the year I could come to the church and ask everybody who didn't want to be here to leave. I said, brother, that's your fantasy. I live with that every day. I'm living your fantasy. But here's the thing. See, pastors are afraid to tell people what God requires. And then they live in this world where they can't get healed themselves. And then they live in bondage with others. And because of that, now there's some twisted thing going on. It's almost like, you don't talk about your stuff. I'm not going to talk about my stuff. I won't expect you to change that much. Don't expect me to change that much. And so I just want to put this up here after Easter. For everybody in this beautiful church today, this is what MPI be like, okay? We got the exes right here. We choirs every one of our pastors to preach on the streets and make disciples. If you don't want to go to a church where I'm going to step on the street and make a disciple, if you don't want to see me confront the wickedness of this world, then go to some pastors you can just admire from afar. But you're going to see what it's like when I get on the streets. You're going to see. Go ahead and just go to that video for me that I put up. Swipe to the, uh, you know, the right there for me, please. Let's not get the sound, but let's play the video. Number one, people say all the time, well, street preaching don't work. You're not going to get a crowd. They're not going to listen to you. Listen, look, looks like she's listening to the preacher. He's 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 listening to the preacher. He's, she's listening to the preacher. He's listening to the preacher. He's listening to the preacher. He's arguing with the preacher. These two guys listening to the preacher. 
And you're going to see something that most pastors never see. You're going to see some Christians stop and give God a hand clap of praise and a shout of victory right there at the blue line. Why? Because we're not ashamed of the gospel. That man stopped to talk to me as a defense attorney. Gentleman, very nice, great conversation, but he got his worldview rocked. You can listen to it right there on your own time. I want you to notice, though, how the Christians respond to this. In just a few moments, I'm going to rock this man's worldview, and you're going to see this woman right here in the blue raise up her hand, give Jesus an amen. This brother's going to raise up both of his hands and clap above his head. You know why that happens? Not because of anything that I've done, but by the grace of God. When I go out there, I say, God, they want to mock you. They want to put you down. I say, Lord, give me the words to say that humble them, that show them that our God is live and that our God is power. And so it's only, look at there she goes. Hands go up right there. There's the first amen. Can I hear an amen for that first amen? And so it's almost like people want to say, don't go on the streets. Nobody's going to listen to you. You see, I require, there's another amen. Come on, give an amen for another amen on the streets. How many of you would like to be going catching your train hearing a preacher preach like this? I'm not talking about preachers that are just mean and angry. I'm talking about preachers that are answering questions, preaching the gospel. Now watch that man come back there in the middle. You're going to see him come back in just a few minutes, and you're going to see him start raising his hands above his head. Why am I pointing this out to you? Because I'm telling you, this church requires every one of our pastors to do this. Why should we only keep what we have here inside this church? You know why most pastors want to keep inside the church? Because they're bleeding, not leading. They're afraid of what's going to happen out here. Here this man comes with his phone. He starts recording it. Can you imagine that? Somebody just preaching and you stop and go, man, my goodness, I got to show my friends this. But you know the pressure that we're under as pastors at that moment. And I always feel it in that moment, just like some of you might feel it, like you get afraid. You don't know what to say. I say, God, I don't want to embarrass Christians. God, I don't want to say the, the wrong thing. Here's an, a defense attorney. He's an atheist. He thinks he's so smart. He's going to mock our God out here, Jesus. Give me the words to shut him down. Give me the words to show him before everyone that the fool says in their heart there is no God. And, of course, I can preach like this. Look at him raising his hands right there as I'm still preaching. And yet the man stays. It's not that it turns him off. Some people are like, I don't want to turn off my friends. Well, you got some weak snowflake friends then. Here's, here's a friend right here. Here's a dude right here. You like to be a friend of a lawyer? How many like to have a lawyer as a friend? I'm saying not coming after you. I'm saying as a friend. Go after the other ones. Look at him. He put that camera right on him. He said, well, what you got to say now? Here's a pastor handling his business. But you start to watch here these kind of college-age students. And if you watch the whole live video, you'll see they start coming up afterwards with their questions. People tell me this generation doesn't want to hear the gospel anymore, that we're all just bleeding. The Bible says, no, it's time to start leading. It's time to start leading people back to Christ. I want to end with this guy raising up his hands. When you see him raise up his hands at the last bit here, let's all clap for Jesus, okay? So give him just a few more moments because we're going we're to agree with his testimony that the gospel belongs on the streets. And before he does, let me just say these few things before we move past this. You can't force people. But in this country, we're given the freedom of speech. And so what I want to know is, why is it Jesus could be going everywhere, doing the gospel on the streets, but yet we're so intimidated to do it? Because today's message is going to end with Jesus saying he wants workers for the harvest field. And you can't be a leader if you're a bleeder. You can't be leading people into things that you have never experienced. So let me say it like this. Don't you dare follow me if you can't look at my last two years and say that's what you want in your next two years. Because there he goes. Let's give a hand clap. Come on. Let's praise God for being on the streets. Now watch this guy right here as it ends. That's an alcoholic. Let me just say this as a little bit of land. You have something extra. That man right there is an alcoholic with beer all in his pack right there. People say, you're going to turn off all these people. This guy came right up next to me. He had to get the closest to the preacher. You know why he had to get the closest to the preacher? Because he knew we loved him. And then he claps for the God, glory of God. Come on, somebody. Now, would you go back to the notes, please? 
So I want to be very honest with you. There is no bait and switch here. We require every one of our leaders to do that. You may not be as good as we are at it, but we want you to start coming out with us. Number two, we require everyone in this church to do discipleship. That's a check mark for us. If you don't want to do discipleship, that's a problem. There's other churches. How many know there's other churches you can go to? Come on, y'all, will you get this? I'm not trying to be better than anybody else, but do you hear my heart as a pastor? If you don't want me on the streets, how many know there's a lot of other churches you could go to? Like, I don't want to name their names and be rude, but how many know I could have named that church? Check, they don't do that. This church, check, they don't do that. So it's, it's simple for you. It is so simple. If you don't want it like this, you've got a lot of options out there. I got so sassy, I put this on Facebook. I just put it on Facebook, y'all. You can look at it right now. I said, pastors, you can have all our people who don't want to do this. Would you post your information below, please, so they can come to your church? <sighs> Why would I do that, Jessica? Is that because I don't love you and I don't love people here? I just want to be very honest with you. Do you go to Apple? Do you go to Apple to get a, a, a hamburger? Do you go to Apple Store in the mall to get a hamburger, guys? Do you go, come on, somebody. Do you, do you go over to McDonald's and expect to get your iPhone fixed? Okay, so when you come here, what you expecting? This is what we expect. We require everyone to do public evangelism with us. Now go back to my Facebook page, please. Get the CPS for Jesus, that post that those brothers put up, and show them how the students are right now at their school clubs. I want to give it up for them. Come on. No, we're right there. There you go. Oh, yeah, you do it like that. That's fine. You're doing it right. Please show them right here. Scroll down to the latest one they put. That's up here right here. That's a club that they got going on. I want to see the one where they're at. Did you guys tag that one in there? Okay, no. Go to my page and look at the one that I, I shared. As he's doing that, listen to me, everybody. If our young people are going to do it, what's going to be your excuse? If my children are going to do it, what's going to be your excuse? Keep going. Come on, follow my hand right here, brother. Follow my hand. Follow, follow Pastor Sane. He's going to show you how to swipe that. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I want everybody to see this right here. Right here. You're going to see it come right up, right before this. Boom, hold on, hold on. Did we miss it? Go up a little bit. Go up a little bit. Look, 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 my hand, follow my hand. Follow my hand like this. Follow my hand. Follow my hand. There we go. There we go. We practice this. There we go. Let's give it up for these teenagers right here. You see, those are my heroes. See, those are my heroes, not the zeros. So here's the point. It's very simple. It's very simple. And just swipe it back if we could to the notes. If y'all don't want to do that, this ain't the church for you. We require everyone to be in a life group and to multiply. I don't want you just showing up to a life group just to be there, even if you are showing up, right? That's good. But I want you to be there and say, Lord, I want to be a leader there. Why? Because I don't want you to be a bleeder anymore. I am tired of people bleeding everywhere. Am I trying to ignore your bleeding? Absolutely not. But you notice how I just flipped this story of Jesus on its head? Because most of y'all think a pastor going to preach about this, about y'all being the, women, the woman with the issue of blood, and it's okay for you to keep bleeding, just keep touching Jesus. When do you stop bleeding? When do you stop doing that same sin? When do you stop going around, right, the, the broken record of your mistakes? When do I get people following me as I'm following Jesus? Because I know I'm not the only one. So I'm going to say this again. Please put this on Facebook. Don't follow anybody that you don't want their last two years to be your next two years. Anybody can say they're a Christian. Any pastor could come, come up here and say my marriage is going to be good in 2019 because my wife is fine and all that. Anybody can say that. But I want you to already look at the past, the facts. It's over now. We can't change it. Go back in my life to 2017, 2017 to 2019, and ask yourself this question. Has Joe's marriage had an affair? Has Joe looked at pornography? Has the wife wild out? Have the kids have issues? Has Joe's pastor in New Orleans had to get involved in his life? What has Joe's marriage been like the last two years? Because don't you dare follow somebody for the next two years that you wouldn't want what they had the last two years. And you may say, well, man, Pastor, my last two years were jacked up. Who's going to follow me? Well, they're going to follow you to get trained. You see, because if your last two years weren't good, you're not ready to be a leader here. Well, they're going to follow you to come get trained in the discipleship. They're going to follow you because if, if you don't have it consistent for two years, no, nothing bad said against you for two years, you can't lead anybody. 
You can start your leadership journey, but you're not ready for the stamp of a leader. How long did Jesus have the disciples for before he put a stamp on them and said, now you guys start leading? Three years at least. So you might say, Pastor, my last two years have been bad. Okay, I'm not here to put you down. You start setting the example of how you're going to transform those two years. You start going through the 101. You start going through the 201. I guarantee you right around two years you'll be graduating. You'll be able to do all the things I'm talking about right here. But don't get prideful in the middle of this and start talking about your bleeding again. Focus on your leading. Because how did I get my testimony? Because if you would have met me when I first got saved, or a year after I got saved, man, there were some struggles, right? But I wasn't ready to start leading. I was still bleeding. God wants people that are done with the bleeding and are ready for the leading. Here's another thing. You could put a check right next to Metro Praise. Requires everyone to live holy and in accountability with the elders to do ministry. If y'all don't want that, you could go somewhere else. It's that simple. Because we're going to hold you accountable here. And if you got a problem with the elders, you got a problem with the church, there's the door, right? Now, here's the deal. I've been in eldership community since the moment I came into ministry, and I have the same leaders in my life that I've had from day one. And when we started this church, and we didn't have any elders because I started from the streets, I told all the people I used to work with at the youth group there, Rachel and all of them, they stayed there for almost two years. They couldn't even come with me as I started a new church. Are you listening? And I had another elder, Brother Anthony, watch over me. And then I had another elder after that watch over me, both of these men of God, Ron Allen from my hometown, elders in my life. You should like elders in your life. Can I hear an amen? We've got male elders, female elders. you got somebody to look up to. And then here's the last thing. Put a check right here. Ask those who don't want to do these things listed above to find another church. <laughs> check. Now, you be honest with me. You be honest with me. Where else are you going to get this in this city? I'm not here to put down any pastor. I know they get checks we don't get. They get the check for the Easter play. I didn't do the Easter play this year. You're right. They get checked for the men's conference, women's conference, marriage conference. You do all three, you only got to pay 50 each, so 150. They get a check there. They get a check for writing their books about all of these years of blessings and all. That's right. They get the check. And I'm not even putting them down. You'll never hear me and all my podcasts and all that I do. You will never hear me put down a good pastor. I won't do it. But I'm asking you a question. Does that make us special in this city, yes or no? Whether, whether or not they agree with us, does this make us unique, yes or no? So my question is, if y'all came to this church on a Sunday, should we be all expected to do this? Right? Let's go back to the sermon, please. Look at your neighbor and say, that wasn't so bad. See, y'all took it. Y'all took it. Let's look back at this woman that's bleeding. She gets healed, doesn't she? Now he goes on to the place where the funeral's at. Look at verse 23. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, go away. The girl's not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand. She got up. News of this spread through all that region. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to celebrate funerals or a resurrection? That's all I'm about here. Is making dead things live. I'm not letting you stay dead here. I'm not letting you stay dead here. Do you understand that? When Jesus comes around, dead things come alive. This young man has a purpose and a, and a, and a, and a destiny. I'm going to make sure that thing stays alive. As long as this young man comes to this church, he's got somebody pumping life into that vision and dream he has. As long as Calvin comes here, Calvin's going to have a pastor that don't want to have a funeral but wants to live in resurrection. That's, so, that's what we're doing. Now, I know there are some people that want to hang around at the funeral with you. And they're going to laugh when we tell them that live things are coming. They're going to say, well, it didn't work last time. It didn't work this time. We might as well just pull out the pipes and have a sad song. That's not us here. Your marriage is not dead yet. It's not over yet. God can resurrect it in Jesus' name, even if you've been separated. Your, your, your destiny's not over. Some of the heroes of the faith that I have, in my, that I look up to, didn't start their destinies until they were 50 years old. Smith Wigglesworth, Carlos Sinacondi, I could be here all day. Even D.L. Moody started a little bit later in life. You and your destiny is not over yet. We're not here to have funerals with you. We're here to have resurrections with you. But if you notice, the people laughed because they thought what was dead was going to stay dead. And it's time for us to have faith that God makes things alive. Let's go to the next story, please. Then Jesus went on from there, and two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. 
when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him. And he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that you tell no one about this. But they went out and told anybody, everybody anyways, and the news spread about him everywhere. Real little secret. That the, the reason for the secret there is Jesus didn't want a bunch of fans. He came to die on the cross. That's why he told them not to go out. But do you notice here that he asked them, do y'all believe I can make you to see? They had to put their faith in Jesus and go, I believe you can make me see. I want to ask you a question here. Do you look at this culture through the eyes of a blind man, or do you look at these, the, the culture through the eyes of Jesus? Because I believe Jesus can give you eyes to see gangbangers getting saved, businessmen getting saved. Let's go back to that video. I know it may take a moment, but I want you to, when you look at that man on that street, you can just scroll up. You'll see it if you scroll up. You'll see it. I want you to see, when you see that defense attorney, do you see somebody giving their heart to Jesus? Because we're not supposed to keep our eyes closed anymore. We're not supposed to be blind anymore. And this is what I told the first service. Everybody look up at me, please, as he scrolls. You know how it is. It's going to take him a minute. Listen to me. I told the first service this, and I'm going to pick two in this service to be a part of that committee. I'm going to have Alex. You're going to be a part of the committee. Ricky's already on it, and Juan's already on it. Juan Riasco. I'm going to have you on it and Sister Soldier. Here it is. I'm going on vacation tomorrow. I'm supposed to be back Saturday to preach again Sunday. I will not come back unless y'all want to get this right because I don't want anybody to think that I'm forcing you to do this. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? Y'all watching the scrolling. This, there it is. Put it up for them, please. But I need y'all to hear this. Some of my friends take 60-day sabbaticals. How many of y'all would like to take a 30-day, 60-day sabbatical? Isn't that something what pastors get away with? Pray for them. But y'all are going to control my vacation right now. Listen. Listen, everybody. Give me your attention. Pause that, please. Thank you. I'm going on vacation tomorrow. I'm planning on coming back Saturday to preach here Sunday. Preach right here. But I have said this to both services. I got two people in the first, Ricky and Juan Riasco. I got now two people in the second. They are going to be my eyes and ears to pray and seek the Lord. That is Alex and that is Ashley. Here it is. I'm going to ask them to pray, put them in a group message, and then I'm going to call them up around Wednesday, all of them on a call. I'm then going to ask them, do I come back now? Because we're ready all to do this. Nobody sees this as Joe forcing this on anybody. This is just what we do after Resurrection Sunday. We resurrect life. We go hard. Or do I need to take another week off, have somebody else preach on Sunday a similar message, the similar goals, the similar vision? Put up the vision as we're waiting too, please. This man's doing awesome in the back. Let's give it up for Oscar. We love you, my brother. Thank you. He's amazing. Boom. Now, you might say to yourself, Pastor, we already want to do it. Why do you want to take more time off? Why are you doing us like that? No, 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 because listen, my friend, do you, well, he's not my friend, but he's another pastor. He was preaching. He was saying, I wish I had two services a year where I could tell people if they don't want to do this, they can roll out and do it. I'm letting them make the decision. Do you all need another week to filter out people here who don't want to do this? Because when I come back from the vacation, I want to know we always want to do this. Does everybody get that? So it's not an ultimatum of me coming back and pastoring the church. Of course I'm going to pastor the church, even though it would be fun to have a Pensacola Metro Praise Assembly of God. It's a lot nicer there. It doesn't snow in the middle of April there. But I want it to be very clear with everyone here, I'm not just the only one saying this. I will give you 30, 60 days to have your own services without me, without big, bad, mean Pastor Joe or nice, happy, however you see me, Pastor Joe, because my personality does not matter at this point. What it is going to be is very simple. Do you all want to do this? Because our church is bigger than it's ever been, more finances than it's ever been, got a gospel truck more than it's ever been, I mean, more outreaches than it's ever been, more life groups than it's ever been, all of these things. And I don't want anything to stop that. I don't want anybody to think this is just about little old me. You know the only reason why I preach every Sunday? Because if I didn't preach every Sunday, I wouldn't have a job anymore. We have released everybody to do so many different things here that literally if I didn't do this, what else would I really do? I administrate, but that's nothing compared to what, you know, 40 hours could earn up to. I got to spend a lot of time just to come up here to do this, earn my keep. But I could sit down right there or I could be on the beach, not even come back, and y'all decide. And if I come back and there's 10, then there's 10. If I come back, there's 100, 200, 300. It doesn't matter to me because here's my decision. 
My decision is we're going to serve the Lord like this. If you could put up that, that graph one more time, and then we'll go back to that gentleman. I made a decision when we started this church, and I was explaining this to my daughter when she was watching a video one time of another church and how big it was and how nice it was. You know, imagine growing up in a church like this and never seeing a big church. And she saw a big church on TV, and it was just amazing. Man, they get that big? I'm like, oh, yeah, they can get bigger than that, you know. But I was explaining to her what I tried to explain here for everybody. This is why we do what I, I, we do here. Does everybody get that? This is, what I, this is why I do what I do. And so I want you to go through that checklist. It's on Facebook right now. And maybe some of my friends will invite you to their churches if you don't want to do this. Because for me, this is the way I'm supposed to do it. It's a specialized calling to do this. This is something that I know offends the culture to no end. But I'm willing to do it. You know why? Because at the end of the day, I want to have a church that looks like those disciples. Not people just bleeding, blind, dead, and we're soon about ready to learn about somebody demon-possessed. The bleeding, the dead, the demon-possessed, the blind, that's who we minister to. That's why y'all come here. Now, when you come here, you may bring a blind person. You may bring a spiritually dead person. You may bring a spiritually demon-possessed person. I am totally cool with that. But after they get delivered, they're going to join pastors on the streets, preaching the gospel, being disciples. They're going to do it with us. They're going to go to the life groups. They're going to be in accountability to the elders. And don't give me none of this nonsense. I don't like what the elder says once they don't say what you like. I put it like this. Everybody likes me until I tell them no. I'm your elder. Yeah, I'm your elder. Don't be getting one argument. I'm not your elder anymore. You're a hypocrite and a liar. You don't have nothing that, I got, uh, that I've ever had because I've never been like that. I've never quit on my leaders. You want to be a leader, you got to be led by people. You don't always going to agree, but you agree that they're your leader. And until they sin against you and do something against you, you don't walk away. And then all of these things right here, if you don't want to do a find another church, that's not to be mean. Who, who here thinks I want to be mean to you, like kick you out the church? No, what I'm saying to you is I love you, but we got to go so we can grow. Amen. Let's go to another story, and then you'll see why I'm telling you all this, because these aren't my words. They're the words of Jesus. So the, the, the girl gets raised from the dead. The blind people now see. Look at verse 32. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed came out, could not talk, was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute, uh, the, the man who had been mute began to speak. Excuse me, did I misread that? And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. Why didn't I see the word spoke? Thank you. I'm going to read it again. Everybody shout out spoke so I can slow down and read right. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. Thank you. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been done in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it's by the prince of demons he drives out demons. Jesus was misunderstood. They thought he was driving out demons by demons. That's ridiculous. Jesus will teach us later that you can't have a kingdom divided against itself and stand. But notice this right here. The man couldn't speak because of the demon. This doesn't mean all illness is demon or demonic. What it means is, is that sometimes demons can influence your physical body. I think if you would have saw the person under an MRI, they would have looked like they had a perfectly functioning vocal cord. Everything in their brain would have been right, and they couldn't have figured it out. And still to this day, there are times with trauma where children or adults can't speak anymore, and sometimes it can be demonic like that. That's what I think is actually happening there. But do you notice this? They bring the man to Jesus that's demon-possessed. He casts them out. Now, go back to the video with the, uh, the, the lawyer there. Thank you. Some of you think to yourself, I can't speak the words of the Bible to this man because I don't have the words to say. That's a demon lying to you. You may not be demon-possessed, but a demon is trying to take your voice, trying to tell you, shh, shh, don't say nothing here. Don't do nothing with the gospel. Keep it to yourself. But Jesus is saying to people who can't see, now you can see. He's saying to people who can't speak, now you can speak. He's saying to people who are bleeding, it's time to stop bleeding and start leading. He's saying to people who are dead, it's time to get alive. Can I give you the end of the story now? Why is Jesus doing all of that? Please go back to the notes. Let's look at verse 35. When Jesus went through all the towns and villages, he was teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. Why was he doing that? Because when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them 
because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now look what he says to his disciples. The harvest is what? Thank you. The harvest is what? Plentiful, but the workers are few. Now what am I supposed to pray? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I want everyone just to look up at me, please. Do you get that from me today? Do you get that I want to help you? Do you get that I want you over your issues for the purpose of the kingdom? Do you understand now, if you go back, if you could scroll up, please, when you don't put the X's in the right spots, people really never get set free anyways. Just think about this. You may think to yourself, Pastor, I came here with so many issues, that's not what I need to hear, my requirements, and then an ultimatum, that's not what I need, Pastor. No, that is what you need. You see, why are you going to get healed then? See, think about this. See, the woman with the issue of blood understood two things. He can heal me, and he can make me a leader, a disciple. He can change me, and he can make me a change agent. Do you get it? No one who was around Jesus was coming just for freebies and remaining very long. The ones who stayed, the ones who got the message, the ones who understood it, saw it clearly, the healing, the deliverance. It was for the purpose to answer the prayer now, to be workers in the harvest field. So think about me. I probably can relate to a lot of what we read. I was bleeding in life as a drug dealer. I was blind. I couldn't see the things of the world. I had lost my voice because of the demons that literally possessed me. And I was dead on the inside, my dreams and visions. But what does God do for me? Does he just do healing seminars? Does he do marriage conferences? Nothing wrong with those things, right? Does he just do seminar after seminar, teaching after teaching? No, he heals he delivers. He sets free. And then what does he say to Joe? Now follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Start praying for the harvest. And that's the difference. That's the difference. And in my doctoral class, I'm actually going to be writing this with research to prove. Everybody get this. I will prove it on a doctoral level that when you teach people Christianity through discipleship first, they get healed, restored, their lives changed better than trying to do it the other way, making it all about God fixing them all the time. The idea wasn't for you to, to focus on what you need fixed. The idea is for you to have encounters with Jesus that fix you, that you can actually walk away from it going, I am fixed. So in other words, we don't have Alcoholist Anonymous meetings. Hello, my name is Joe. I'm an alcoholic. Hello, my name is Barb, and I'm a divorcee. Hello, my name is Mike, and I'm addicted to porn. Hello, my name is so-and-so, and I have depression. Hello, my... You're not supposed to go through life confessing what you're not. You're supposed to go through life confessing who you are. I am who God said I am. I can do what God said I can do. I once was a bleeding woman, but now I'm healed and whole. I once was a dead little girl, but now I'm resurrected and alive. I once was two blind men. Me and my friend were blind, but now we see. I once was demon-possessed, didn't have a voice, but now I got a voice to preach the gospel. That's who we're supposed to be. Because now go to chapter 10 in the Bible. I don't have it in today's notes. Chapter 10 does one of the greatest things you'll ever see. So I'm going to give you a little taste of when I come back and preach this. So we will pause the sermon series on Matthew as long as the congregation of Metro Praise International needs it. To decide in their heart, are we with what we started with? 
Because there's not one of you who have ever come to this church where it wasn't put on the board what we're about. And I think it's great every now and then to have some house cleaning, to get the spring cleaning done so you can make some room for new stuff. Amen? That way you don't have to feel bad if you don't come back or don't see me. You can do it when I'm gone. Amen? I'll be getting a suntan. Hallelujah. Make all your decisions. Don't need to send me a letter. Don't need to tell me anything. I bless you now. Go in peace. Because this is what I want to see when I come back in chapter 10. I want to hear this to be said of Metro Praise International. And he called to him his 12 disciples. Just scroll up a little bit so they can see the end of chapter 9. Just so you can see it visually. Pray for the Lord of the harvest. Thank you to send out laborers into the harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples. And what did he do now? He gave them authority over unclean spirits. You see what, what, come on, y'all getting this. What they used to have, now they casting out of others. Oh, come on, somebody. He gave them that authority and to heal every disease and every affliction. What would it be like to get prayed for by the woman with the issue of blood? Oh, I know God can heal you. He healed me. What would it be like to get deliverance from the man who couldn't talk and now he's praying for you to get out of your addiction or whatever is affecting you? You see, these people, come on, somebody. These people were changed and now became change agents. They started off bleeding, but now they're leading. They started off sick, but now they're healed. In other parts of the Bible, they started off as women in adultery, but then they became women of God. In other places, they were tax collectors, but then they become apostles. Come on. They were fishing for fish. Now they're fishing for people. They had demons in them, but now they're casting out demons. Now they're healing every affliction and would you scroll up so everybody can see their names? And he names them off and just keep scrolling there. We'll read that at another time. Just keep going down, please. And then now look at what he says. I'm sending you out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Rachel, would you come, please? I hope you guys tell me to hurry my fanny back to church on Sunday. Amen. But I'm giving you that moment. I'm giving you that moment because sometimes people need a safe space. Maybe you need a safe space from pastor. Go ahead, take your safe space. I'm just going to take my space in Florida. <laughs> my friends already take 30-day sabbaticals. Sometimes it's a, it's a known thing among pastors. You take more than 30 days, you're coming back resigning. Sad but true. But I want to ask you guys, not for my sake. That's, that's what I want us to hear today. It's not for me, man. Do you want to go do this with Jesus? Because I know we can make those choices right now. We can make those choices. I can be a bleeder or I can be a leader. You can make that choice. You can. I, I know. Listen to me. I know you didn't choose to start bleeding. I'm not saying you did. We bleed for many reasons in life. And most of them don't have anything to do with us. People cut us. People hurt us. Things happen in life that we don't have control over. But I'm asking you now, do you want to be a bleeder or a leader? See, I could point to people in this church, and they'll tell you testimonies about their bleeding. But that's not where they live anymore. They live in their leading. See, I could point to Augustine. Would you just raise your hand, Augustine? See, Augustine didn't have the best relationship with his father. And Augustine used to come to our youth group and would play the guitar. Thank you, sir. And over time, he began to get discouraged because I got all up in his business. And as a young man that didn't have a great relationship with the father, he didn't need that. Man, I can, I can avoid my dad and deal with my own dad issues, let alone bringing in a pastor who I don't even want or necessarily need. And he went on his own for a few years. But he kept bleeding, didn't you? I'm not saying we're the only church that can heal broken hearts, but in his life, he kept bleeding. And then at some point, God began to convict him that this was home for him. You see, when you come to this church, don't you think God already knows the check marks there? 
Why would you be brought here by the Holy Spirit or invited here if God didn't want you to do these things, right? So I feel oftentimes for people like Augustine who leave the wrong way in those things, God's going to have a call on their life to come back. And a few years later, he came back. And he'll tell you, man, it was almost like week after week I would see him. I'll be like, man, I'm so glad to see you here. And then he would always say back to me, I'm so sorry for all that. And then I would say, it's okay, I'm so glad to see you here, right? It was like, and then like a month would go by. And then I would say, brother, I'm so glad you're back. And he would say, man, brother, I'm sorry again for what happened. I'd say, brother, it doesn't matter, you're here now. But over time, the bleeding stopped. He let God do what only God could do. And he wasn't known for being a young man that grew up in in a tough home with a father that was distant, he began began to be a leader. And as he began to be a leader, he attracted a woman in our church that herself was a leader. Hey, come on, somebody. You see, you'll attract bleeders or you'll attract leaders. That's another discussion on marriage and dating, right? You'll attract leaders or another bleeder. And so he attracted a leader. And eventually they fell in love and got married. And now they have their first baby, Harmony. Precious, beautiful girl. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. Amen. I don't get tired of hearing those stories. I don't get tired of hearing those stories. And as I look across this congregation, I could tell you story after story of people who were once bleeders, but now they're leaders. You know, Tina came to our church when we were in a transition of... Tina, would you raise your hand in case they don't know you? She's a beautiful woman in the church with a handsome man. Amen. They're together now. Praise God. And she came to our church during a time of transition. Finances were a little bit tough during the recession. Those of you who remember what that was like, it was hard. But she stuck with him. But she was bleeding. I mean, Tina, let's just be honest. Most of the confessions out of your mouth were, my family this, my past this, my troubles this. And boy, she could have an attitude. Let's just be honest. Come on. If you all know Tina, she could, she could let you know. She could let the workers know. And then, but she was bleeding. And I used to love on her and her family. And one time I brought her family with my family to my parents' house in Indiana. I took her daughter out in the convertible, and we had fun together. And I, and I was saying, oh, Tina, Tina's done bleeding. She's ready for leading. But on the way home, Tina was sensitive. She got her feelings hurt by what I was saying. She started crying started bleeding again because you know if you get burned that part becomes sensitive other people see you, you you can do that to me maybe I shouldn't be doing that but you can do that and it doesn't hurt you do that to a burn victim sends it all back tears would come down her eyes but she was teachable she was humble and over time she went to Bible college she graduated Bible college she became a leader in the church And now on Wednesdays, she is Sue Ellen's right-hand person for the entire children's ministry, numbering up in the 70s and 80s. Praise God for that. She's a leader. She's not a bleeder. When you get around her now, you know, you can give her tough love. She can take it. You, You get around her. She'll, she'll impact you if you're a single mom. She'll, she'll just go, stop, stop. I know where you're going. I've been there. I've been there. I know you're crazy. I know you're losing your mind. I know you can't take it. But God is good because she's the single mom whisperer now. She's leading. See, spirits that were cast out of her, she's casting out of others. I could be here all day talking about people that went from bleeders to leaders. Talk about Curtis there in the back. Curtis, would you raise your hand? Let's give it up for our sound man, Curtis. He's awesome. Curtis was one of those kind of guys that you would never see the bleeding. Most men you can't. They keep it from you. That's why if you ever hear me get into conflict with people and they say to you, oh, I've never seen that person react that way. That's because you ain't their pastor. You're not touching the buttons I touch. I touch buttons in people's lives as their pastor. It's like a friend saying to their other friend, I've never seen you act that way except around your mom. Yeah, because mom gets up in that kid's business. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, oh, you know, you had a coworker, you they, they one way, you become your coworker's boss, you're gonna see your coworker change. Right? Because now you gotta you gotta push those buttons now. So Curtis, great guy, and you you never would have saw the bleeding. You never would have saw the bleeding. And I can testify about this because this is his story. And all these people I'm testifying about, this is their story. 
He gives his heart to God, you know. And, and his, his, the mother of his child is, is a good mom for the baby. And, and the, you know, she's growing up strong, Gabriella and everything. And they're separated, but he wants to serve God. And as a single father, he wants to do what's right. But the bleeding of loneliness is there. And so at times, he goes back to baby mama to get what only baby mama can give. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Can I keep it real in this church? How many know what it's like to hear somebody go back to baby mama, pay a, pay a visit, 10 o'clock at night, going to visit baby mama? Come on. Y'all looking at me crazy. I should put another check mark here. Who's going to talk about your business? Like Pastor Joe, check baby mama. Oh, but he would confess. He would say, man, I know I was wrong for that. I know I was wrong for that. I know I was wrong for that. But we would come back and say, though, but you know you got to cut this off in that way. If you want to be a leader, you can't be a bleeder. You're confusing her. You're going to confuse your child. And you're not giving yourself the time to have holiness. And holiness is a part of wholeness. If you notice about the woman as she gets healed of bleeding, she's not just healed of bleeding. The Bible says you are whole. She was not only complete in her body, but complete in her soul. And so over time, you could begin to see Curtis be healed from needing to go to baby mama's house. And now he's still single. I wish I could point to a young lady in this church that they're together. So if you're in his age range and you think he's handsome, holler at me after service. I'll get you his, his uh, DM or his uh, Instagram, whatever. But I've seen a difference in him. Let's give it up for the Lord. He's a leader now. He brings his daughter to church. He brings his daughter to church, and she is healthy, and he leads the children, leads in the children's ministry. And if I had time, I could go through one after the other of our elders and deacons. Now, sometimes they have to step down and get worked on, yeah, but we don't give up on them. But our heart for you is to go from being a, a bleeder to a leader and to stop looking at yourself as the one who always needs the spirit cast out, who always needs the blind eyes to see, who always needs the voice to speak, who always needs the resurrection. Get up, get up, get a job, you know, and start seeing yourself as the one who now proclaims the kingdom of God. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Thank you. Would you stand up and give it up for Jesus? That's who we're talking about today. Let's all stand up as the band and altar workers come and pray today altar workers are going to be up here today because if you're bleeding get prayer we love you no one will embarrass you if your if your marriage is bleeding get it right if you're addicted to stuff today man and you feel like you've lost your voice as these altar workers start to come would you start to pray with them today because bleeders can be leaders look at your life right now Go through those illustrations. Are you bleeding out? You hurt? What about dead things? Have you given up on the dead things and all you have is funeral instead of a resurrection power? What about the way you see stuff? Do you see it blind? Or do you see things with the vision of God, with the hope of God? Because when I see that lawyer, man, I see a person that can come to Jesus. When I see these teenagers, I see future leaders. few moments, few moments. Because after we get done praying for those who are bleeding, those who are... It's because you guys force them to do it. You make them do it. You know, I have never... Have I ever talked to you about Bible college one time? Now, one, I don't talk to people about it like that. I believe in a divine calling of the Holy Spirit that puts the fire in people's bosoms and they can't hold it in but have to let it out. So I just say, God, bring those. Because when I see the harvest, I see it just like Jesus. Harvest great, workers few. <sighs> Let me just say this out here before we start praying. You all ready to pray? And I always got to do this to honor my family. Everybody's got a family. I'm not trying to show mine off. But I just got to honor what my, my parents have done in their 70s. What is that worth to you? My mom is, what, 76? My dad's 73? What's it worth to you to go out into that harvest field and to say, here I am, Lord. 
Use me, I'll go. Fill me with your words, and I'll speak them. You don't think I get nervous? You don't think I get nervous when, when the guy comes up? Oh, I lost that fee. But, you know, when that lawyer comes up, Man, Jesus, don't fail me now, Lord. Don't let me forget my stuff now, Lord. So many things in my head right now, Jesus. All these questions these people have, Jesus. Because I don't expect everybody to do it the same way. Come on. I'm just saying, when I do my thing, you don't think I get nervous? Other Christians pulling out their cameras. Everybody looking at me now. Oh, pastor, what you going to do? They got out their cameras. But I know I'm doing the Lord's work. So I don't look at my ability in that second, in that moment. I hide right behind that old rugged cross. I hide right behind my helper, the Holy Spirit. I put my trust in the harvest, in the, in the Lord of the harvest. And I say, God, would you give me those words? And I look at my father doing the same thing as he goes out into his community and he just simply says, God, give me the ability. You know where he's meeting now, Mr. Swartz, with his little church? At the VA. Because he became a chaplain there. And all these kinds of places he was trying to start his little church in Ocala weren't working out. But the very place he was volunteering the whole time for veterans as a chaplain was the very place they said, Jim, would you like to use this building throughout the week for a Bible study or something? You won't have to pay anything. You can put a Bible study in here. You can invite outsiders to come. You see, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, things are added unto you. I'm not saying that we won't at times have issues in our personal lives. Yes, you may go through this miracle list at times in your life and say, yeah, man, Sometimes I feel like I'm bleeding. Sometimes I feel like people have left me all alone. Other times I feel like I'm dead or my, my relationship is dead or I've actually buried dead people and it hurts. And other times I feel like I'm blind. Sometimes I feel like the devil's taking my voice. But you and I are not supposed to view our Christian, Christian walk through the pain that we suffer in this world. We're supposed to view it through the harvest of this world. So would you stand up with me, please? I know I've preached at you long enough. How many received something from the preacher today? Amen. How many received what God was saying? Amen. I hope you did. Because I was just an instrument. Altar workers, would you come, please? Let's go. Right now, if you're here today and you would say, I'm bleeding. Uh, I don't have a voice. It's been taken by demons. I feel like too many things have died in my life that all I know how to do is celebrate a funeral instead of pray for life. And I'm blind and I can't see. If you are here today and you're in any one of those spiritual conditions, would you come forward right now and receive prayer? Nobody's judging you. Nobody's judging your marriage. Nobody's judging your children. But I want the bleeding to stop in Jesus' name. You might say, well, I've been hurt by other churches before. We'll, we'll pray for you to get over that in Jesus' name. Well, I don't know if I can trust this church. I've trusted other people. Well, we'll pray for you to get over that in Jesus' name. Pastor, I've been hurt. Okay, we'll pray for that. Because he wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be spiritually whole. I was standing in my office today having no idea what I was going to preach this morning. No idea. And this message started to burn like fire in me. I was about ready to interrupt the worship at the very beginning of the service, but I had to be patient for the announcements. We're not here to condemn you. I'm trying to give you a word that will save you from more trouble ahead. God's wanting to speak to you. You need to get off the broken train, uh, or rather the, the broken record of defeat over and over and over again. Defeat, defeat, defeat. You need to take a stand against the devil today. Because in the next few moments, we're going to pray to God to use us for the harvest. A few moments. Thank you for those who trust us enough to let us pray for you. We love you.
We don't want you bleeding anymore. We don't want you blind anymore. Deception is only deceiving to those who are deceivable. We want you to see with eyes wide open what's going on in this culture today. Those of you who say, I've faced too much death, God will give you life right now. Stop living at the funeral. There's work to be done. There's a harvest to be had. A few more moments praying for those today. Praying for those today that come to a God that still heals, a God that still sets free, a God that still answers prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we receive your healing. You've called us to be a special group, a special group, a special group. We have a calling on this ministry, a calling by the Holy Spirit to be voices in the wilderness, voices in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. But we've got to be whole, people. We've got to be whole. We can't be the bleeding woman all our lives. We can't be the blind anymore. Few moments, few moments, few moments, and then I'm going to call up all those here today who want to say, send me, God, I'll go. And for some of you, that may just start right now. Start as you leave this service. Go knock on some doors around the neighborhood. Go to the corners here and stand at the bus stop. Start preaching the word. There's people to reach out to. few more moments and we're going to call you up. A few moments, a few moments. We're still praying for healing. We believe in both. Don't think we don't care about your emotional life, your spiritual health. We do. We do. But we don't want to leave you that way. We don't want you to stay that way. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, there is healing. There is healing. There is restoration. There is deliverance. Now those who are praying, keep praying. But I want everybody to hear me if you can. Those who are praying, please feel free to pray. But Brian, would you go and grab my daughter if she's here, Bethany? If Bethany's back there, would you grab her for me, please? Those who are praying, feel free to keep praying. But before we do this call up here for everybody, I want you guys to hear this. Because you might think it's easy for me as a preacher to put my family on the line. It is not. I am now tested in my faith in unique ways as a father that I was never tested as a single man or as a new father. There she is. Can you guys give it up for Bethany as she comes? Everybody see her right here? You know who was doing the camera work when we were on the streets? It was her. And I was wondering when would be the right time to bring my children out with me to do evangelism. They've been doing around the neighborhood and in front of the church. But I was wondering when should I bring her out to the big show, as it were. And God told me it was time. Now, who's time? She's 10 years old. She just turned 10 in December. And I started arguing with the Lord. I argued with Jesus. I did. I'm being honest with you. I argued with him. But one day on a Sunday, when we were singing that song, our yes, we say yes to you, give us courage. The Lord said, bring her with you. And then I said my last argument back to God. This is what I said back to God. I said, God, but all she knows is that people respect you and love you. She will now hear them blaspheme you. And I never want her to hear that. 
her, your name be blasphemed. Lord, they're going to mock you now in front of her. And I don't want her to hear you being mocked. And you know what the Lord told me? The Lord said, let her see how I still love those who mock me and curse me and say evil about me. Let her see the love, the compassion, like sheep without a shepherd. And so then I came home, and you can talk to my wife. You think it would be easy, like, hey, you're going, you know, blah, blah, blah. I came home, and I'm like, Nancy, I think, I think this is what we got to do. We got to talk to Bethany. And I'm starting to see God raise up a young woman of God to be a leader because she's out there listening to her daddy preach. She hears what the unbeliever says, but she sees the love of God. The question that I want to ask you today as a church is who's willing to join me to meet Jesus on the streets with my daughter? Would you come forward right now? The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Who will come to these altars and say, God, use me? Come on, just say it as you come. God, use me. I may not have the words to say, the rest of you, you are dismissed. God bless you. Find a good church with the other check marks. We love you. We love you. You can come back anytime. But all those who want to now do the work of the ministry, would you come forward towards these altars and just raise up your hands and say, use me, Jesus. Use me, Lord. Amen. You can step down, Bethany. Thank you. Use me, Jesus. I'll come in agreement with you. But I can't make you do this, saints. But I can come in agreement with you. Jared, would you get the oil with a few other leaders and start anointing them today? The rest of you, we, we bless you to find another church. We are only here to raise up laborers. We cannot do a church another way. So all those who are here today, we bless you. We bless you. We encourage you. We love you. But now's the time. Now's the time. Start calling out for the harvest. Start calling out for your community. We go to the blue line. Where are you going? What life group are you going to start witnessing before at? Where are you going to go? Come on, call it out. This is not a library. Call it out right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Come on, the way you all pray, it looks like I might be off a month. The way they pray, it looks like I might be taking a month sabbatical, huh? They need to pray, don't they? Because this ain't about me hyping you right now. I'm not here to hype you up. I'm not here to hype you up, saints. I'm asking you who's praying for their community. Who's praying for their community? In the name of Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. Start anointing them all with oil. Get some prayer workers. Everybody's getting anointed with oil today. In the name of Jesus. Come on, come on. Lift up your voices. Lift up your voices. Lift up your voices. Pray for the harvest. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord.